It's Leap Day. Leap for joy for the extra day in February, friend. This Leap Day program is dedicated to parents who want to instill biblical character into their children's lives. Is that you? There's nobody better to talk about that than Dr. Kathy Cook. But I also want to hear from you today. I want you to think about this. Biblical character, what does that mean? What is a a biblical character trait that you want your children to catch from you or that you want to teach them? Here's one, patience. How do you teach your kids patience? You could just yell at them all day, be patient, but that's not really teaching them. So I have a question for you. I want you to tell me a story of how you took the time and energy to teach a biblical character trait to one of your children. What was the situation and how did you teach that? Anything come to mind? Write the number down. Give us a call, 877-548-3675. Dr. Cook says, parenting so biblical character is established will be among your greatest accomplishments as a parent. This can change the trajectory of your children's lives. It can be an ultimate goal. It won't happen overnight because learning character is a process. It's our topic today. I want to hear from you at the Radio Backyard Fence. You can answer our question on Facebook as well. So let's get going first by being thankful. That's a good character trait, right? Ryan McConaughey is doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Lynn will be answering your calls today. And I want to thank you as well, friends and partners of this program, especially those who've given in February. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't say that month correctly. February. Or maybe that's not right either. We are so close to reaching our goal. It's I could just taste it. And what a great day, an extra day in February to leap into the pool with us. Call or click through today, and we just might make that goal together. Maybe that's why February has an extra day this year. God knew that we wouldn't we didn't meet our goal in the first 28 days. Now I know that's not why, but uh you might push us over the top today. Our thank you. I've been talking about it this month, A Life That Matters by Ron Hutchcraft. Is there somebody in your orb? a family member, a friend, a neighbor down the street, somebody at work, somebody you see every day or or periodically, and you think, I wish she knew Jesus. I wish he understood God's love for him. Ron says, you've been appointed by God. He's made you an ambassador to that person you're thinking about. But you say, I don't know how to do that. I get tongue-tied. I'm not an apologist. I don't know how. There are so many practical. That's why I want to send you the book. Like the three open prayer. Did you hear us talking about it's based on Colossians 4? What is the three open prayer? You'll find out as you read the book. Take a leap with us today. It's the last day. It's our final day that we're going to offer this to you. And we would sure appreciate your support. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, F-A-B-R-Y, chrisfabrylive.org, or you can call 866-95-FABRY and give a gift right there. Last day, 866-953-2279. Dr. Kathy Cook is the founder and president of Celebrate Kids Incorporated based in Fort Worth, Texas. She's influenced thousands of parents and teachers and children in 30 countries with keynote messages and seminars and chapels and books and banquet talks and other events. She has written seven of those books, including... The ones we talked about here, Screens and Teens, Eight Great Smarts, Start with the Heart, Five to Thrive, Resilient Kids, and her latest is Parent Differently, Raise Kids with Biblical Character that Changes Culture. 
She earned a Ph.D. in reading and educational psychology from Purdue University. Dr. Cook, how you doing on this leap day? I'm fabulously well because I'm on the radio with you. Thanks for inviting Yay. me back to the show, Chris. Do you open presents on leap day eve or leap day morning? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never had to think about that. Um, I, let, why don't we just do both? Yeah, there you go. That's good. I say, yeah, you have to open them in the morning. <laughs> I did this to a friend of mine, and he said, did you, actually, did you actually do that? I said, no, this is humor. Come on, Steve, this is humor. <laughs> uh, okay, so why, why biblical character? Why did you write about parents teaching kids biblical character? There were several reasons, Chris. Many parents today are discouraged by the lack of obedience, and I hear them maybe yelling at their kids or telling them what to do, but I don't believe that uh, stressing obedience changes their heart, but character does, and therefore obedience will go with them. So I wanted to show parents that character is what we need to be emphasizing. I also want kids to believe that they're capable of more. You know, I think the culture is slamming our children and suggesting that they're not worth much, but that's such a lie from the devil. They're worth a lot. And when God created them, he had a plan and a vision for their lives. And without biblical character, they may not be able to develop into the people who God intended for them to be. I also, as you know from the subtitle, I want their character to affect culture. I want our children to know that right now they make a difference. When a child doesn't lie, when a child practices the piano and does well and pleases the teacher, that child changes the culture for that teacher because she now has had a good day. She has been honored. She has been treated with respect and it'll change the rest of her day. Kids need to know that they matter today. Yes. But this is not behavior modification then. This is not, if you do this, then we'll get this, and then you'll learn character. Because early on, I learned as a dad that I could get my kids to do what I wanted if I kind of manipulated them and you know set these goals and bars and all that. And that's not teaching them character. That's teaching them that if I do this, then you know it's transactional. So talk about that. Right. In fact, one of the reasons that I am um, I emphasize character. As you know, Chris, there's a whole chapter in the book about character. I mean, about obedience. I want our children to be obedient. But what kids have told me is that they're obedient when somebody is watching them because they either don't want to be punished or they do want to be rewarded. And they tell me that obedience is hard because the rules change. They don't know what the rules are in their own home sometimes. If grandma comes over, are the rules different? If there's a babysitter, are the rules different? When I go to the church or to the store, or to Aunt Kathy's apartment, are there rules there too? And so that's that transactional idea that they have to think about where they are and who's in charge. You know, the authority would be God Almighty, you know, and they're directed by the Holy Spirit. And uh, his standards and his leading, of course, go everywhere. So it is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of um, becoming who they were created to be, not that transactional, you know, good boy, bad girl nice. kind of mentality. Yes. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It, it does, and, and it makes sense in a uh, an educational place, too, because you can just study for the grade. You know, is this going to be on the test? Or you can, it's, it's almost a, a mirror of what Jesus talked about, living abundant. Abundant life comes from what we're talking about. But let's say the parent is listening right now and says, what, what do you mean by biblical character? Can you give me a list? Yeah, I appreciate that question. You'll notice it's not called uh, Christ-like character. And the, the reason it's not, and again, the Scripture teaches us to become like Christ. So if anybody's listening and they've been talking to their kids about Christ-like character, I, I honor you and I honor that concept. Again, children have told me, you know, but Dr. Kathy, Christ is perfect. I'm not 
I'm not like Jesus. And so the Christ-like character can be a little bit intimidating. I chose biblical character because I believe the Old Testament and the New Testament are both important. Not only do we have Jesus as a beautiful example of how to live our lives, but we have David and, and Moses and Caleb and uh, Deborah and Ruth and Naomi, and of course in the New Testament, Paul and you know James, and oh my goodness, um, so many, so many, so many people that we can bring to our children's attention. You know, Esther and uh, Daniel, we want to talk about being courageous and being led by the Lord. So God's ways and God's will, both in the Old and New Testament, are really important. Yes. Um, and then things like the the fruit of the Spirit and the definition of love from 1 Corinthians 13 and the Beatitudes. And there's 44 one another verses. Um, do not bite and devour one another if you're raising boys. Um, you know, pray for one another, submit to one another. Those are full of character attributes. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament Oh my goodness, Chris, right? Every verse is is, is a takeaway about yes. character. So let's use the scripture and not the culture, not the lyrics we're listening to, not the shows we're watching. Let's use the scripture as the the best standard for who it is that we can become. I'm just uh, fascinated by uh, Proverbs talking about those who negatively stir up people, stir up strife, stir up things. And then you look in the New Testament, stir up one another toward love and good deeds, you know, create and, this. Uh, so so here's what I'm going to do. When, I, when we come back, I want you to tell me a story about a parent that did this, or maybe you in the classroom, when you, when you taught a biblical character trait in the setting, I want you to set us up, and then I'm going to ask our listeners to get involved at 877-548-3675. Some are already doing that on uh, Facebook. 877-548-3675. Great resource for you today. Parent differently. Raise kids with biblical character that changes culture. More straight ahead. Today, kids, we're going to learn about biblical character, and you are going to exhibit it. And if I have to, <laughs> no, it's not that way. You don't teach biblical character to kids just by rote. A lot of times, it happens. Well, with Jesus, it happened a lot with the stories that he told and the way that he walked down the road, and they just did life together. So, I want you to listen up to Dr. Kathy Cook. Parent differently is our featured resource. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org, click through today's information. You'll see it right there. Subtitled, Raise Kids with Biblical Character that Changes Culture. And my guess is there's somebody listening here right now who says, I am parenting differently than I was parented because, and then fill in the blank. So I'm glad of that. You know, you're learning from the mistakes of your parents. That's really not what we're talking about here, Dr. Cook. You want to parent differently because the goal here is to change, to help the child change inside rather than just modify, right? Right. That's really well stated, right? The the difference would be that we're not going to go where the culture takes us. We're not going to do what our neighbors do, um, unless what our neighbors are doing is biblical and really wise. Um, we think more of God than that. We want to follow his lead, and we're going to raise up our kids to be difference makers in all the positive ways. Absolutely. And everybody wants to change the culture, and everybody wants them their, themselves as well as their children to be a positive influence. But how do you do that? And that's why you've written it. So my question to you is, 
Give me an example of a parent or you in the classroom or whatever happened where you actually used this opportunity to teach a biblical character trait. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm going to tell a story about a, a gentleman who read the book, actually, and he went to work and just went through his day like a normal day. And uh, he went home from work and the, he asked the kids, you know, how was school and how was your day? And then his son, you know, said, well, dad, how was your day? And the dad um, humbled himself, which is one of the top character qualities, and told the truth and said uh, to his son and daughter, I had a, had a terrible day. Uh, at three o'clock, the supervisor knocked on my door and asked where the report was that was due at two. And as soon as my supervisor knocked on my door, I knew that I was in trouble or that I had done something wrong. And kids, I did what you sometimes do. I did what I wanted to do. I did what was easier to do. I didn't do what I had been asked or told to do. It was embarrassing. I had to apologize. I am now going to have to miss your soccer game tonight to stay home to finish the report. I'm concerned that my boss might not choose me for a new assignment that I was looking forward to because I have proven through my choice to forget to do something that I'm not reliable. So look what I've done in my phone. I have an alert now at two o'clock every Monday, a 24-hour reminder to make sure I'm working on that report and a noon reminder on every Tuesday that it's due in two hours because I don't want that to happen again. And Chris, I really that he was honest, that he was humble, that he was specific, that he indicated that there are consequences of our character choices. That's one of the most powerful ways that parents can teach biblical character is to admit to their own mistakes because we actually gain authority when we're vulnerable. When we when that when that dad shared that he had had a bad day, that he had made a mistake, that he would quote unquote was in trouble, it allowed his son and daughter to admit to him, you know, dad, I I, I had a bad day too, because now they realize that dad is going to have some empathy and even some compassion for them. Yes. And that isn't it something uh, we think vulnerability and talking about, you know, our, our failures or, or the struggles that we have, we think we want to keep that from our kids because we don't want them to think less of us. And what happens is exactly the, well, it can't, you can't control what a kid thinks, but the, the, the stories that I hear and they, that I hear from my kids is that this this increases your esteem in their eyes because no longer are you the person who does everything right and knows all the answers to you know every question you're just like you're just human like them and struggling as well exactly it will increase your authority especially when you take the time and all of this does take time i realize that to talk again about the consequences in fact what i hope that that gentleman did was a week later you know, if the son or daughter says, hey, how was your day? I hope he remembered to say, hey, it was Tuesday. I turned in my report a little bit early, and it was such a relief to know that I had, mm. you know, remembered to do the right things in priority order so we can keep teaching our kids, again, that there's an effect. We cause something to happen by the choices that we make. You know where I hear this a lot as well, Dr. Cook, is um, a parent who, when the child gets to be around teenage years and they're starting to think about dating or, you know, with the, the crazy culture that it, it could be nine or ten now, you know, it seems like. But um, when you get into that area, when the parent will admit, here's what happened to me when I was a teenager and here's the struggles that I had with sexuality and with boyfriends or girlfriends and these types of things, 
that the kids will hear, rather than it bringing you down in their estimation, they want to hear, you know, what were the mistakes that you made? Not in graphic detail. I know you have to be careful with that as, as a parent, but that really puts an inroad into the heart between the parent and the child to not just say, don't do this, make sure you do that, but to model that from your own life and your own mistakes. And like you said, Chris, it's so important that we do that with, you know, age, age appropriateness. Absolutely. And it's not even true that, you know, a 13 year old boy and a, and a different 13 year old boy could handle the same illustration. So we have to know our kids to know, you know, what's going to trigger them, what's going to help them. And then I think what, what we say here at Celebrate Kids is that make sure you stress in your story, the consequences that bore out that you're, you're sad that you make the, made the choice you made because it has affected you long-term or, it was a, a factor in the you know disappointments you've had in a marriage, for instance. So let the kids know, again, right. the choices matter. Every little choice matters. Let's see how many of the calls and those posting on Facebook are just that. You know, I as a parent, I made a mistake and I was vulnerable with my kids. As you listen to Dr. Cook's story, let me hear from you today. In what way were you able to teach? a biblical character trait to your children. Um, and tell me the story of it. 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Wendy's response on Facebook really caught my attention when she posted this. She said, three of my four children stole from a store. Each time I made them return and pay for the item and apologized to the store manager. We talked about truth and how the truth will set you free. After the second child did this, we memorized the verse. <laughs> so what do you say about, you know, the situation like that where obviously the, the child has sinned, you know, they've done what they shouldn't do and they know that. Um, and I wonder, I wish Wendy were on the line. I'd ask her, how'd you find out? You know, did they tell you, did you, did you find this? But what about that example? Yeah, super. That's excellent. Excellent. There's a consequence there. And I absolutely apologize. And looking the store owner in the eye is appropriate. What I would, and then what I think we can unpack there is we ask ourselves, and maybe if the kids are old enough, we ask the kids, what was the need you were trying to meet? So for instance, we teach impulse control, right? So they walked by the candy. They love that candy bar. They grabbed it. They didn't think anybody would see it in their pocket. So you teach self-control, which is one of the top six qualities I teach in the book. We teach impulse control. We talk about honoring others. We talk about the benefit of hard work. Effort is one of the top uh, qualities in the book. So the store owner, the people who stock the shelves, there's effort there, there's honor there. So um, not in that teachable moment necessarily right then and there, but I would step back as a parent and ask, why Why did my kids steal? And we, oh boy, have we all done it. Um, and then maybe you tell a story of the paper clips that you've you've taken home from the office that are those yours? You know, and you share again. And also, Chris, let me just insert, too, that I think um, moms and dads can be vulnerable with the negativity like you're talking about, which is great. Totally agree with that. And we can also be vulnerable with the positive things where we talk about how we didn't gossip in the teacher's lounge, but others were gossiping. Or we turned in a report on time and others didn't have theirs turned in on time and we didn't, you know, disparage them in front of anybody. We didn't laugh at them. You know, we in fact, we helped. We offered to help them. So both the positive and the negative examples are really good. But back to Wendy's example, totally appreciate that she shared that with you. Super important. How do you not make that, though, just behavior modification? 
meaning um, you could tell the child, you know, if you steal like this again, then you're grounded for a month or whatever punishment you can come up with so that they you make sure that or you're going to have to march down there and you're going to have to pay double <laughs> for those candy bars or whatever it was. Um, so how do you get it to the heart rather than just that's wrong, don't do that again? Right. That's such a good question. So I think implementing the consequence is certainly really important, going down there and apologizing and paying for the item and all of that. And then there is a hard change. And this is why we have to step back and observe why did our kids do that? What is their, what are they lacking? Are they lacking honesty? Are they lacking compassion? Are they arrogant and thinking that, so they bold in a negative way, thinking they can get away with it because they're so special. Are they, you know, so what's the issue that's the heart? Because all behavior starts with choice and all choice is rooted in a worldview, which is why a biblical worldview is so important. And so if we can step back and look for patterns, Chris, I talk in the book about no kid steals 24-7, 365. No kid is impatient 24-7, 365. And, and neither are you or, or, or me. There are things that trigger our behaviors. So I would say to this mom, Wendy, to step back and, you know, if there were a pattern of, of uh, stealing, for instance, if they didn't learn their lesson and they stole again, what was going on? Were they jealous of a brother who they thought had more than them? Were they legitimately hungry and they were afraid for some reason, you know, mom was not going to feed them? Uh, what was the need that they were trying to meet? And then those are the things that we talk about. Okay, so you're going to what's what's deeper, what's, what's behind the action rather than just saying, that's a sin, you need to confess it, you need to go down there, et cetera, et cetera. You, you ask questions, but a lot of parents won't do that. They won't get to that place where they even want to hear. I don't care why you did that. I just want you to apologize and not do it again. But by caring about what was going on inside, you're valuing the child and, and drawing them out. So they almost answer their own, your question, but they're answering their own question, Right. I really like that because it is, it honors the child. It says, look, you're this important to me that we're going to figure this out. So if they're believers, they're dead to sin. Like, I mean, the scripture teaches us that sin ought not have control over us if we're saved. And if we've been discipled, like, do we have fire insurance? We're so glad we're going to go to heaven. I'm glad you're saved. Has there been a lordship, discipleship training for our children using scripture and real life examples and you know, biographies of, of heroes of the faith, but also heroes maybe in a discipline your kids care about science or math or athletics or music so that kids have examples that they can rely on. And it's got, yeah, it's got to be the heart. So um, as an example, Chris, if I can use arguing as an example, we have an epidemic of arguing. We've got adults who argue and kids who argue. And arguing is rooted in pride. Arguing is rooted in self-centeredness and selfishness. I'm more important than you are. And I want to do things my way. Pro arguing is rooted in inflexibility. Flexibility is one of my top 48 qualities, kids who are able to go with the flow and not have to always have a, a system because sometimes the system doesn't work. Um, arguing is often a lack of compassion or a lack of sympathy for someone else. So when we realize that negative um, obedience or disobedience is rooted in negative character, then we can start talking about the character. So if a kid is arguing, I would talk about other-centeredness. I would talk about humility. I would talk about needing to be flexible, putting others first. And, and I'm going to figure out which 
of the character qualities are the greatest stumbling block for that kid based on observing that kid. Maybe they argue because they're jealous and they only argue when you just spent time with their older brother and they feel slighted and they want to get your attention. And that's their goal of arguing. Misbehavior has a goal. So why did Wendy's child steal something? Was he looking for attention? So again, this, this requires, and I, and I talk about this in the book, like parents can do this. But, parent, but you know what, Chris? Parents can do this. I'm smiling as I say this. <laughs> parents can do this when they slow down yes, and they listen longer, observe with intentionality to solve problems, not just find the problem, and care enough about their kids that they want them to become all that they can possibly be. Well, and that, and when you do that, your your goal is not just to fix your kid and to fix the problem. And if they're arguing and they're getting on your nerves, I want you to stop doing that because you know because you're getting on my nerves and maybe I'm getting angry and I'm yelling at you for doing that. You're not there just for the fix. You're there for understanding. You're understanding more, and then you're passing that on to them. I, I like the the cyclical nature of what you're talking about. Good. Yeah. appreciate that. And no, it is. It's, it's about knowing the child and making the child feel known and then giving a vision to the child that, you know, you are so capable. Like, I'm disappointed that you stole. You're a better kid than that. Hmm. Like we need to yeah. say these things to our children. Like Calling this is not of your character. More. Yes. Okay. So, so now you have it. Now you have what we're talking about today. Parent differently. Has there been an opportunity for you and something that you have done or seen your children do to teach these biblical, uh, to teach biblical character to them? I want you to explain that to us. Tell us your story at 877-548-3675. I'll go to your calls after we take a quick break here. 877-548-3675. You'll find that book, Parent Differently at the website chrisfabrylive.org. More straight ahead. We're talking about instilling biblical character into your children, modeling it ourselves and passing it on to them as well. The people at CareNet model kindness, generosity, patience, and other biblical character traits because they value the people involved who are in the middle of an unplanned pregnancy. They value the baby growing in the womb, absolutely. They value the mother, the father. They value the people who disagree about this volatile issue in our culture of abortion. And they care enough to make resources available to help people communicate what the Bible Teaches. As a matter of fact, you can download the free resource today at their website. Just click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. And when you get to CareNet, click free resources. It's the first one that will show up there. If you have a family member or a friend or even somebody in your church who says, yeah, you know, abortion's bad, but we need to have abortion, it shows you from a biblical standpoint uh, more about that. Click that. A CareNet button. Would you do that for me today at chrisfabrylive.org? Dr. Kathy Cook is with us at the Radio Backyard Fence. Her last name is spelled K-O-C-H. Parent Differently is our featured resource. Now I want to hear from you. Tell me a story about what we're talking about here today. Kimberly is in Ohio. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Chris. 
um, my story is very interesting. I have three children, and from the time they were very young, I just lived my normal life, which was being a Christian. They heard WCRF on around the clock. Um, they We went to church. They saw me interact with people, and I surrounded myself with brothers and sisters, so they always heard Christian conversation. Um, along the way, my son was... Um, uh, dating a girl who was a Muslim, and she was determined to talk to me about um, what her beliefs were versus the Bible. And when we started talking, um, I knew so much, and I looked into what she believed. I heard my son in the background say, my mom knows a lot about God, and that tickled me. But the, the uh, story I wanted to say is this one is about standing firm on the truth. I have a 36-year-old son that lives with me. He's bipolar. For the most part, he's normal, but he has an emotional um, immaturity. And so I've been, um, uh, I gave him a Bible, and it has his name embossed in gold on the bottom. And somehow that personalized it for him. And he's been reading it. And he'll come out, and he'll start telling me things about the Bible. But prior to that, he was getting into being like following Buddha and a little bit into um, astrology. So he's he's misunderstanding and misinterpreting by saying things about those things and connecting them into the Bible. And so he's mis- misunderstanding it. So the bottom line is every time he comes to talk to me, I keep, you know, saying the truth to him. And what my, my goal is and I'm believing is – He's reading the Bible, but once he really comes to the point where God speaks to him and tells him that what I, my what your mom's been doing is telling you the truth, and she hasn't swayed from it, she's standing firm on what she believes about the truth. And I, I'm believing that once he reaches that point, and he's getting close because I can hear changes in the way he talks about God's word to me, yeah. that um, that he's going to see that that my mom. You know, she stood firm in the truth. She never swayed, and she really was telling me the truth. There's a lot in there. There's perseverance. There's long-suffering, faithfulness, you know, a commitment to the truth, but also commitment to love your son. So I'm I'm interested in, in what Dr. Cook will say. Kathy? I would echo everything you just said. This is so encouraging. I'm so proud of you, Kimberly, because I can only imagine how fatiguing it is. What a high compliment that your other son said, my mom knows a lot about God. I mean, can you imagine what would happen, Chris, in our culture if every parent could say that about, if every child could say that about every parent? Yeah. My mom, my dad, you know, knows a lot about God. But what's sweet, Kimberly, is that you just don't know things about God. You're living God's um, best for you in front of your children and even the children that, or the people that your children date. So, that's very, very cool. I'm encouraged for you. Keep up the good work. And I imagine that this special son of yours is going to make that full turn toward Christ. That's yes. going to be a beautiful day. We, um, Tricia is our producer and she, her kids are a lot younger than mine are. <laughs> so she has, sometimes she has a lot more fodder than I do than what my memory is. And this happened to you just in the last couple of days, right, Tricia? Yes. Um, actually, it was yesterday. You know, you just wonder, are they actually hearing these things? <laughs> and um, so this is a positive experience. I feel like I tend to parent out of the negative things a lot, and I don't know that they hear me at all. But this one, I've been trying to tell them and teach them and show them that we can pray at any time. 
Um, God wants to hear us pray. We can pray when we're scared. Um, and so we do a lot of that at night or during thunderstorms. But yesterday, my six-year-old had a dentist appointment, and she had three fillings. And so we got through the first two. By the end of the second one, she's just in tears. Um, like, she was so scared. She didn't want to have the the numbing shot because of the shot pain she was scared of. Um, and so she did all three without any um, any kind of painkiller at all. And so the doctor was like, I'm going to step out for a minute. You can, you know, calm down a little bit and then I'll come back. So he comes back to do the third one. And I was holding both of her hands and she kind of, she was still holding on, but not as tightly for the third one. And she did it and she just laid down and she almost, like I almost got, a little scared for, I didn't know what was, what she was doing because I realized she had kind of relaxed and she was okay and not crying anymore. And as soon as he said, okay, you're done, she sat up, she said, mom, I prayed that God would help me not be scared. And he did. Mm. Like, he helps me not be scared. And I thought, oh, it got through. And then even in the car ride on the way home, she said, "I'm." she was looking forward to Awana when she could say one of her verses is, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so just to to see, oh yeah, she's getting it, that that my reminders and my showing her and praying with her, she did it on her own. Like I didn't, I feel bad. I didn't even think about doing that with her during that, <laughs> but she did it on her own. And it was just such a precious thing to see. What do you think? Well, I love that. And I bet Chris does too. It's very powerful. So again, you've been living out the truth of how God works for us and in us. And the fact that she knows that the God of the Bible knows her and loves her and would want to answer that prayer. Yes. For her. It's very, very powerful. This is how children grow their faith is that they realize that God did something for them. And that's a, that's a memory marker, like the Psalms, the Psalms of remembrance. So, you know, if she's scared in a week or, you know, fearful at some point, you know, you're going to be able to go now, remember what happened to the dentist, Mm -hmm. you know, you prayed and look what God did. You want to pray right now. It's powerful example. And again, a biblical character of learning uh, to be bold and courageous in those moments and to turn toward God. That's so smart. This is one of those ways when kids will wind up teaching us more than we <laughs> than we teach them, you know. Uh, but Tricia, you said uh, that you you more easily go toward the negative. What do you mean by that? I mean that in the moment when um, they're yelling at each other, or my children—I have three children—when um, they're yelling at each other, or when someone gets disciplined, like, "Oh, well, we were going to go get ice cream, um, but now as a result." of your decision, we can't go get ice cream where I feel like, um, I tend to almost want them to feel that pain sometimes. Um, and so it was really, yes, that's, I guess that's what I mean. Like they do something wrong that I correct and show them how they weren't exhibiting. So almost they were showing the, the, um, opposite of the characteristic that I want them to exhibit if they were like building biblical character. Um, And so I'm, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I'm trying not to do that and try and say, look at how you exhibited boldness or Mm -hmm. how you trusted God. That's a great thing. And here's how we can keep doing that instead of um, these are the consequences of sin, of the sin that you did, which I think is still a teaching thing. And my kids 
react differently too. Like you were talking about earlier, they will react differently to that. Um, some that is uh, motivation for them. Like, oh, well, I don't want to have that consequence, so I will do this right the next time. And others don't care, and they get mad and stomp <laughs> off. Like, it just it depends on the child. Impulse control. Right, right. Okay, so, so Dr. Cook, is that um, – if, if you only – a parent with the negative – then your child begins to think or can begin to think that Christianity is just, you know, do's and don'ts, and it's only here to make, get me in the right path rather than looking at some of the, the positives. But you have to parent the negative as well, right? Right. What I, what I appreciate, what I hear Trisha saying, she's not saying that she's negative and critical 24-7. What she's saying, I, th- I think, is that when she sees a child um, behave inappropriately, she implements consequence. And that's actually a very positive parenting approach. The best, con- I'm not a fan of rewards and punishments. I'm a fan of consequences that fit the crime, consequences that fit the the, pos- the positive thing that went on. So when a child has an inappropriate attitude, they're not grateful, they're teasing and they're, you know, taking away time. And so you had to spend more time doing something. Now you don't have time to go get ice cream. Totally appropriate consequence. And for the child to understand that I'm not a mean mom, and you're not a bad kid, but you made a choice to waste time and to make it a more challenging afternoon. Therefore, you have taught me or I have decided we cannot go and get ice cream. That's very, very, very appropriate. So we have a caller who is halfway through the book, Parent Differently, coming up straight ahead. Dr. Kathy Cook is our guest. You can find that book subtitled Raise Kids with Biblical Character That Changes Culture at our website, chrisfabrylive.org. Click through today's information. You'll see Parent Differently right there, chrisfabrylive.org. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. It's the extra day in February that comes around every, what, four years or so, and today's the day, the last day of February, the last day that we're offering Ron Hutchcraft's book, A Life That Matters. I've been talking about it all month. I'd love to send you a copy. Would you help us get to our goal in February? Just go to chrisfabrylive.org, and you can give a gift right there here on the Leap Day. Would be really encouraging for us. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, where you'll also find out about the book Parent Differently by Dr. Kathy Cook. Susan's on the line. She's been reading that book. Susan, go right ahead. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, one of the things that I love about your book, uh, Dr. Cook, is that it was immediately actionable. I could start using it immediately. So I appreciated that. Mm. Um, do you want me to keep going with my story? Yeah, absolutely. Or? Tell me your story. Love that. That's, okay, so perfect. That's so encouraging, but keep talking, yeah. Okay, Okay. great. So when I was reading your book, I started getting an image of um, like a tool belt filled with character traits, and these are tools that we can choose to use. So I started telling my son about his tool belt and that he's always, always, always he has always picked one and is using whatever tool that is, whether it's discouragement or frustration or joy. Um, And so it it just gave us a very easy way to say, oh, what tool have you just chosen right now? Oh, mom, I'm choosing, I just 
chose frustration. Okay, is that godly character? No. All right, let's just throw that as far away as we possibly can. And what would you prefer to pull out? And, you know, I'd rather have joy. Okay, great. So, and now the first couple of weeks, I just kept saying, oh, it looks like you pulled out frustration. Let's pull out something else. And then pretty soon he started filling in the blanks. And, oh my goodness, such joy the other day when he said, mom, I just pulled out anger and that's not one I want to use right now. <laughs> and I'm tearing up because that was, that was so beautiful. So thank you so much for giving me this tool to use with my son so it can be more of a concrete way for him to see what all these character traits are. And I also love that you emphasize, oh, I hope I get them right, self-efficacy and joy and gratitude. So Mm, what we do now is I have Monday and Thursday, we focus on joy. And then, you know, just keep going along the week like that. Tuesday and Friday, it's self-efficacy, or maybe I already said that one. Uh, Anyway, so we want to use them all. But that day, I'm especially talking about one of those three character traits. And that has seen a lot of fruit from that, too. Wow. That's just fantastic. Well, Susan, Susan. go ahead, Chris. I I was just going to say, again, it was with Tricia. It's her child teaching her, you know, and as Susan teaches her son, her son is is mirroring this back to her. So it's got to change the parent as well. What do you say, Dr. Cook? Yeah, there are a lot of people actually who have read the book and said that, you know, by the second chapter, they were already thinking this book is about me. (laughs) In fact, it was a really hard book to write because I knew that it was about me and I knew that I was going to be putting my character on display, you know, for anyone like like you or Susan who become familiar with the book and then might hang out with me somewhere and go, you know, Kathy, where's your joy? But I want to say uh, to Susan that this is why I write because writing isn't for wimps. I don't write books because I like to write. I write books because I want to be a positive influence. So thank you for taking me seriously and for loving your son so well that you would do the hard work of making changes. And you're a beautiful example for all of us of the value of specific character traits, you know, rather than talking in big terms to talk about anger and joy, to talk about frustration and things like that. So that's really, really smart to not just look at a kid and go, boy, you're having a bad day, but to try to identify and then help them identify what is it that I'm feeling that is in control and what would be better for me? I love that. I'm really, really glad you called. Boy, that would make a great uh, <laughs> biblical, I get, the only word I can think of is skit, you know, to, to, to have a person pulling out the hammer that's an anger and, and all of that, and then to realize, no, I need to, I need to work on gratitude. As a matter of fact, she mentioned gratitude. That is one of the most important character qualities that you talk about? Is there a top one or two? Would gratitude be there? Yeah, thanks for asking that. That is number one. There is an appendix of 48, the 48 top qualities, and each of them is also listed with their negatives so that it helps parents identify why this negative quality is just persistently present in my family what's the opposite? So the, I think the, the people that told me the appendix is really helpful, but 48 is kind of overwhelming, right, Chris? So let's start with the top three and they are gratitude, joy, and self-efficacy. Gratitude's number one because technology is teaching children that they can be entitled. Gratitude's also number one because it is evidence of spiritual maturity. Because if you're truly a Christ follower and you understand that God made you, but he didn't have to, and Jesus died for you, but he didn't have to, he was willing, it's a gift then we, as a response, should be living a life of gratitude. 
I also chose it as number one because the research says it is a parent virtue, meaning that it gives rise to other qualities. So children and adults who are grateful tend to be content, other-centered, uh, patient, and kind. And then joyful is number two. Joyful and gratitude, those are kind of, what would you say, they're cousins or siblings or husbands and wife. They're very, very related. If, if you're grateful, you're likely to be joyful. Not happiness. The culture teaches kids you can be happy all the time. That's a lie from the devil because happiness could end up killing you. But joy in Jesus is a quality that will rock your world and will put on display to everyone who knows you, Jesus Christ. And that's why we're alive, to leave the world a better place through the choices we make, including putting Jesus on display. And then self-efficacy, which is a phrase that might be new for people, simply means that I believe I can be effective. Self-efficacy, I can be effective. So if you've taught your child how to fill a dishwasher, and you say, hey, remember, Brian, it's your turn to fill the dishwasher. Brian doesn't freak out, doesn't whine and complain, doesn't argue with you and throw a fit. He has been taught how to do it. So he has self-efficacy. He has confidence in himself, not arrogance and not confidence in himself instead of confidence in you, but a knowledge that I can be effective here. And therefore, he's going to go forward and achieve much in that. So those are the top three. Love it. I love it. And there's so much in there and so much more that we could talk about. Um, but in our last minute we have here, do you really mean it can change the culture? Is that too high a, a bar to set with our children to change the culture? You know, I, I don't think so. Um, earlier you said that we, you know, we want to change. I think people like talking about the culture. I think people like complaining about the culture. I think people are afraid of what they see going on in the culture, and there's reason for that. I understand it's a negative, critical space. But I do believe that our character choices change culture, and I believe children can do that. I've seen it in homes where the children lead out. You know, dad yes. isn't a believer, or dad is in a critical space because he hates his job, and yet he has a son and a daughter who exhibit joy and gratitude and patience and kindness and goodness, self-control and generosity, and eventually that dad changes. And so I'm not saying culture, big culture. I'm not saying that we're going to change Washington, D.C. with every choice that we make. But we will change the culture in which we live, the air that we breathe, and the schools we attend, the, the co-ops, the Sunday schools, the youth groups, the churches. Absolutely, we have been created to make a difference, and kids can start doing that right now. So don't be discouraged by what's going on out there in the big bad world, parent, as you uh, hear Dr. Cook say there's an awful lot of hope here for you and your family, even if there's some negative things that are going on. As a matter of fact, in in the middle of the negativity, you can you can talk about these biblical character traits. The book is Parent Differently, Raise Kids with Biblical Character that Changes Culture. Dr. Kathy Cook, always great to uh, talk with you. Thanks for being here. Come back and see us real soon, okay? Thank you for the invitation. I'd come back anytime. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, click through today's information, you'll see Parent Differently right there. Thanks a lot for your support on Leap Day, the last day of February, and come on back for the first day of March. Chris Fabry Live's production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.